don't see nobody else. Excuse me while I feel myself. Excuse me while I feel myself. feeling Lizzo today. I'm feeling Lizzo because today's show is all about our bodies and all about how we feel about our bodies and all about getting off the weight roller coaster. And I'm excited about it. So welcome to Ask for Candy where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. What's up girls? How y'all doing? You know I miss you. You're my homies. You're my home slices. Who I am is CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy, romantic relationships all around the world through self-love, soul connections, and sweetness, honey. But before we get to that, don't forget to subscribe to our audio broadcast, Ask for Candy, on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you normally get your podcasts, wherever you normally like to download. Or you can email me, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, any responses to any of the things that I say on the show, I want to hear from you, my sweet loves. This is a partnership. This is between you and I. So if you have something to say, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to respond to it in a loving way. I want to nurture all of your feelings. I want to be there for you in a way you've never had someone be there for you before. For those of you who've been listening, you know that for almost nine years, I have been a relationship coach, a group workshop facilitator. I'm also a hypnotherapist who specializes in RTT and a matchmaker. I'm about to be- begin a brand new partnership with an amazing venture, which I'm going to be announcing more and more about as we go along. But you can check it out at selectdatesociety.com. I'm joining the team. And all of this is how I live into my purpose, the purpose of healing the past, loving myself unconditionally, and inspiring others to do the same using their romantic lives as a field of creativity, an inspiration, a catalyst to our highest possible self. And relationship work is my zone of genius. And the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with hundreds of people around the most intimate part of their lives. I get to take people on their journey from caterpillar to butterfly, from unhappy with their love lives and their partners to ecstatic. I get to teach people how to get out of their own way and tap into love as a limitless resource. Most importantly of all I get to do is I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. Specifically, I get to teach perfectionistic people how to heal the past, love themselves unconditionally, and start their love lives over from a clean slate every damn day. Today's topic, getting off the weight roller coaster. Now, interesting thing about this topic is that this morning I was doing my daily meditation. You know, those of you who know and have been listening, I take my dog on a long ass walk because I want that German Shepherd to be exhausted. I want him to be so tired that he spends the whole day up under the bed sleep. 
So I take him for a long ass walk and I take him down to the river, down to the Potomac and we sit by the river. And if the sun is shining, especially, I like to sit there and meditate and just be still and be quiet and uh, adapt to the flow of the water and allow that to infuse me with flexibility and flow and just, you know, be on my meditation. And so this morning, I was thinking about this whole weight roller coaster thing that so many of my clients, so many women that I meet, just so many women I'm related to talk about how throughout their adult lives, they've gained, they've lost, they've gained, they've lost, they've gained, they've lost. And that has been my story as well, honey, my system, myself. But I will say this, for the last three years, I have managed to um, keep my weight at a place that I feel really good and comfortable. Now, if I lost 10 more pounds, I wouldn't be mad. Just 10 though, I don't wanna be super skinny mini or anything like that, but I wouldn't be mad about that. But where I am right now, I've maintained pretty well for the last three years. And even in the pandemic, I started to inch up the scale a little bit. I mean, who didn't? We were all eating and you know being in the house and couldn't go nowhere. But, you know, it was very easy to readjust that and get back to, you know, what is a new, what has been a new paradigm compared to what I was doing before, which was losing and gaining every year, right? So now I'm in a place where I can sustain this ideal weight, this perfect weight, this weight that I love. And so I want to talk about, you know, the questions to ask yourself to get off the weight roller coaster. Because here's the thing, I mean, I totally get the experience of being on it, right? I consider myself to be a food addict, a sugar addict. You may or may not like the sweet stuff. Maybe you're more of a savory person, but either way, you know, food is one of those things that it's easy to get addicted to. It's easy to use it as a coping mechanism. It's easy to use it as a substitute for all kinds of things like love, happiness, joy, peace, accomplishment, all of that stuff. It's very easy to put, to put food in place of that, whether it's that you're eating too much of it, allowing yourself to digest it or eating too much of it and, and purging it or refusing to eat it at all. You know, we get a great deal of a sense of control with how we manage our food. Like we'll only eat certain things or, you know, all of that stuff. It feeds into coping mechanisms and ways to deal with our emotions, deal with life that have nothing to do with our emotions or life. It actually, you know, it's like a drug, right? And so, to go through the cycle of weight loss, weight gain. So we lose the weight and you know we become so masterful at all the different ways you can lose the weight. We always know all the rules for how you lose weight, which is why I did my workshop at the beginning of the year, um, Fat Shrinking Emotional Fitness, because it, and it was for women specifically who've lost weight a million times. It's not about, you know, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a trainer. It's not about telling you what exercises or what food you need to be eating. Y'all know all that stuff, right? And if you don't know, there's tons of information out there you know, to help you out with that part of it. But what happens with the getting on and off the weight roller coaster is that it goes with the cycle of our lives. So, you know, something traumatic or bad or that we don't want happens and we maybe go off the rails with our eating if we're an emotional eater. Or we stop eating. If we're not an emotional eater, if you know, some people when they get stressed out, they don't eat and they end up losing all the weight or losing a whole lot of weight. But either way, things happen in life that transforms the state of our body, the state of how we're, we're uh, dealing with ourselves and our, our ways of coping. So if something that I don't want is happening in life, whether it's grief or you know trauma or anything, 
I'm going to turn to how I know to cope. And if all I know is certain mechanisms, it's going to be that I'm going to start eating again or, you know, whatever it is that I use. Specifically, we're talking about food and weight today. So I've been there on that roller coaster where, you know, I've lost all the weight because I figured it out. I finally got fed up. I didn't want to walk around with the extra weight anymore. Lost it all. Felt great. Bought new clothes. Got rid of old clothes. Looked all sassy and sexy. Felt really good about myself. Was, you know, out there. Whether I was in a relationship or not. If I was in a relationship, the sex got better. If I wasn't, then the dating got better. You know, just loving myself. And it was great. And then something changed, something altered outside of me, something, you know, like when my grandma passed away, I definitely went on a terrible food binge for months. Or, you know, just something in life shifted or things stopped working out with the relationship or I started to feel like I wasn't getting enough of something. I'm not getting enough. I'm not getting enough love. I wasn't giving myself enough love. I'm not getting enough love from someone else. They're not spending the kind of time with me that I want them to spend. You know, whatever the story starts to build in my head, which is usually attached to a historical story, then that gives me an excuse to start eating again. And sometimes it's just that I got so skinny. Oh, I'm looking so good. Let me order pizza. Oh, I'm feeling so good about all this weight that I lost. Let me just eat this cake. I'm going to eat this cake. And let me tell you, I will be fine because I have lost so much weight. But then I eat this cake. And you know, I ate that cake and not only is the sugar coursing through my veins and telling me eat more, eat more, eat more, eat more. I'm also like, but you know, it's not like I can't, I can go another day. I can cheat for another day. I'm not gonna gain 45 pounds back if I cheat for another day. And then I cheat for that other day. Well, okay, I mean, you know, I'm going through some things. So let me just, and my period's coming. So let me just, okay, I have until my period starts. So that's three days from now, three days from now, then, you know, no more ice creams, potato chips, pizzas, you know, things that aren't so good for me. No more of that, no more sugars. I'm just gonna let it go. I'm gonna be cool, but in three days from now, three days from now, my period comes. Well, my period's here. So this plate of pasta, it's really not going to be so bad. I'm going to have the plate of pasta. You know, period calories don't count. I don't know if you've said that to yourself. I've said it to myself many times. Period ca- calories don't count. So I can eat this plate of pasta. I will be fine. And, you know, once my period's over, I'm not even going to crave this stuff anymore. I'll be back to eating healthy. You know, so what? I gained a pound or two of water weight. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Next day, oh, I really would like some more of that pasta. There's some left over in the fridge. Oh, look, and there's some of the pizza too. And look, I still have half a pint of ice cream. Well, I might as well finish all this stuff, even though it's already the second day of my period. I might as well finish it all because by the time my period's over, I'm not gonna wanna eat it anymore. And so, you know, I shouldn't even have it in the fridge. Let me just get rid of it. I'll eat it and we'll be done. You know, day three comes along. I'm still kind of on my period. All right, I'm just gonna get this candy bar. I'm gonna eat this candy bar, no big deal. And you know, once my period's over, then I'm gonna start all over again. I'll just restart on my healthy eating. I know what I'm doing, I know how to do it. Period's over. Okay, it's Thursday. I'm gonna restart on Sunday. Sunday is exactly when I'm going to start. On Sunday, I'm gonna restart my healthy eating. I'm gonna make sure that there's no junk food in the house. I'm going back to keto, paleo, vegan, whatever it was I was doing before, I'm gonna do it 100%, 1,000% starting on Sunday because Sunday is the first day of the week. 
Oh, well, wait, Sunday, there's a dinner, there's a family dinner, and it's, uh, you know, my uncle so-and-so's birthday. Okay, so I'm going to have to have birthday. If I don't, if I'm with my family and I don't have a little bit of birthday cake, I might as well just have a little bit of birthday cake. You know, I'll just work out extra on Monday morning. It'll be fine. You know, it's still only a week, a week that I've been eating not so great. And, you know, I lost all that weight, so I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And y'all get it. So it just keeps going and going and going. And there's always a new excuse to be eating those foods. And whether we claim it or not, whether we own it or not, the eating of those foods, yes, there is a chemical uh, aspect to it. But for the most part, it has to do with something emotionally that we don't want to face something intellectually, emotionally that, we, that we're afraid of, that we're saying to ourselves, you don't wanna have to deal with that thing. And so we use the excuses in order to make it okay. And you know, for me, it was always, oh, but I'm a sugar addict. So if I've had a little sugar, that's why I'm craving more sugar. And I'm just gonna like ride this addiction for a minute, you know, whatever. But what that really was about was how I was cutting off sweetness in my life. And that's a, another whole show I can explain where I got that from. But, um, you know, it's the making of excuses rather than dealing with the emotions. Also, there's a level of needing to control everything. So like I said earlier, when it comes to food and how we, what our relationships are with food, it has everything. It's so easy to be in control when it comes to food, even when you feel like you're out of control. So if I sit and I eat a whole pan of cinnamon rolls and, you know, half a pizza, and some chicken wings and you know whatever else i might say to myself oh i'm just so out of control because i'm so addicted but really it's me me making the decision to feed my emotions with all of that food and as i was doing it as i was going through the process of it i was making a very controlling choice to say i need to go off the rails right now if i'm willing to own it and take responsibility for it right when I choose not to eat, if I put myself on a crash diet where I'm like, oh, I'm only going to be able to have 800 calories a day, which is insane, by the way. I'm only going to be able to have eight, 800. Now, let me take that back. I don't want to call it insane. It is a sign of not having mental wellness because that means you have an eating disorder if you are forcing yourself to eat 800 calories a day and you think that you can sustain that. So I give you all of my love and, and compassion. I'm not saying a person who tries to do it is insane, but the act of doing it is insane for your body. Anyway, little disclaimer, but um, now I lost my now I lost my place, girls. You know I just go on so many tangents that I'm just all over the place. So yeah, even if it's not eating, so if I choose not to eat, that's me being in control. When I say you know I'm only going to eat this certain way, that's that's being in control. So it, it's a very controlling way of being that is sort of a substitute for. Uh, where we feel out of control in other areas of our lives. So if you're somebody who needs to control, one way to sort of placate that need, especially when we feel out of control in some other area, is to control around our food. And so, you know, food control is just one of those things that it's, it, even little kids can do it. So it's, it's a go-to, it's such an easy go-to for people to become food addicts or to have an eating disorder because that's where I can put all of my need for control. 
especially if I have kids, my kids aren't doing anything that I want them to do, no matter what age they're at, no matter what I say, it's like what I say is, inva- is, is not valuable. If I'm in a relationship and I don't feel valued, if I want people to do things and they're not doing them, I want to try to shift the world in the way that I want the world to be. I need to have that control and I just don't see it. I don't feel it. I need control in order to feel okay. I need control in order to feel certain. I need control in order for for me to feel like a whole person because I don't feel whole. I don't feel like I'm enough. But when I'm in control, then I feel powerful. All of a sudden I feel momentarily like I'm enough. So what can I control right now? I can control the fact that I wanna eat this whole cake and I can eat this whole cake or I can choose not to eat that whole cake. I can be very much in control of that. I can, I can deprive myself or I can overfeed myself, right? So it's very easy to be in that weight roller coaster cycle when I don't know how to process my feelings and emotions, my need for control, my attachments, my lack of, of um, allowing love and compassion and sweetness into my life. That's what causes a weight roller coaster is not having the coping skills to understand how I can experience what I really need and fill myself up. And I can stop feeling like I'm not enough because when I don't feel like I'm enough, I got to keep feeding and filling, feeding and filling, feeding and filling. Woo! We already getting there, child. We, we deep diving. And, you know, myself included, somebody needed to hear this today because in as much as in these past few years, I am at my ideal happy weight, don't sleep. I do go off the rails sometimes still. And I go through that cycle, that cycle of addiction. I don't know that it's something that you ever 100% never experience, the desire for food to fill you up. But it is something that we can um, develop an understanding and awareness around so that we can get our weight to where we want our weight to be and still occasionally have things that are just about pleasure and still occasionally have a moment of going off the rails but knowing how to pull ourselves back, back in line so that we're eating healthy and taking good care of ourselves again. It is possible. You know, you see people all the time on the street. You see like little skinny people having an ice cream and they're not having ice cream every day. You know, and I won't say skinny necessarily, but you know, people who look healthy or fit or who look happy with their weight, happy with their body size or of are of a body size that you might desire. Now, let me umbrella all of this with saying that if you are at a weight that you are happy with and you feel good and you maintain it consistently because the consistency is also part of your health, then kudos to you. This is not for you if you are um, very overweight and that's what you've decided to love and accept and keep. Now, notice I said and keep because we all need to love and accept wherever we are. But the decision, the choice to keep weight on, that's the choice you've made and that's the lifestyle you wanna live. That's on you. I have no judgments about that. This is for people who are on a weight roller coaster and they wanna get off of it, right? So if you've been up and down and up and down and you wanna stop being up and down and have consistent, healthy, long-term uh, you know, weight, weight management and be where you want to be and have the clothes you want to have and be able to, you know, put something on that you wore 25 years ago, which I'm able to do it at this point. I'm proud to say it. 
I'm not ashamed to toot my own horn. I got a couple things in the closet, a couple things that, you know, back when I was a costume designer, a couple things that I made myself. Thank you very much. And made myself at a time when I was at, a, at the low end of my weight roller coaster. And I can still slip those things on these days, at least for the past few years. And so if you want that, which I want that, not because I feel like I have to be skinny or anything like that. I just want to be at what is a comfortable, sassy, effortless, easy weight for me where I don't feel like I'm carrying around a bunch of extra emotional baggage. Because if I'm heavy, it's because I'm feeling sad. I'm not saying that's true of everybody, but if I'm overweight, you know that I'm feeling sad. You know that I'm eating all kinds of things that don't make me feel good. You know that I'm not exercising, which means that I'm you know, being sedentary, which is not natural for me is not how, how I feel good. I don't feel good in that place. Not because I'm worried about whether somebody's going to think I'm cute or not, just physically. Like my body shuts down. I get pain in my joints. <laughs> if I'm overweight and I'm eating things that, that aren't, aren't healthy for me, I get pain in my side. My digestion gets off. Like the whole situation, I get headaches. The whole situation goes to shit. Now, other people, they can be, you know, 250 plus pounds and, you know, be jumping around. Usually they're younger like Lizzo and they're jumping around and having a life. And I got no judgments for that. If that's the life you're living, kudos to you again. But for me, I know that there is an ideal, uh, not just weight, but an ideal lifestyle that I'm living that has me feeling happy, joyful, not in my depression. And I'm not claiming that. Let me take that back. It's not my depression, not challenged by depression because I don't own depression. But when I'm eating a lot of sugar and gaining a lot of weight, then depression is taking over in my experience for myself, right? Speaking for myself, if it resonates with you, sister, my sister, myself, join the club. If it doesn't, you don't have to take it on. If you're out there and you're heavy and you like being big and beautiful, go ahead with your bad self. Ain't nobody telling you you have to be anything different than that. But for me, if I'm big, I don't feel beautiful. I feel depressed. I feel, you know, physically under, under the weather and it's not good. And I get sick a lot too. So I know that my body's just not built for that. And so if you're like me and you want to have just a consistent, ideal, easy weight for you, uh, an ideal, easy body state, you know, you, even your measurements, your uh, energy, your abilities, all of that stuff, it is worthwhile to check in with the emotions behind the weight roller coaster. It is worthwhile to check in with this sense that I have to control everything, that I have to control my relationships with people. I have to control all aspects around me. I have to have certainty. And a lot of times that need for certainty and that need for controlling everything comes from my childhood experience. You know, were my both my parents available to me? Were they emotionally available? Were they physically available? You know, did my father cut out and leave? You know, a lot of us women, we grow up father. I mean, for men, there's an effect as well. Women grow up fatherless, and there's a whole sense of, of um, uncertainty and instability and um, uh, self-questioning that can become colossal in a woman's life when her father abandons her. 
I have a wonderful father in the sense that he was always there for me and I can look back and say he did everything he knew to do, provided for me, gave me everything that I wanted, but emotionally was unavailable. And so there was an impact. You know, nowadays he's not. Now he's a loving teddy bear. But back in the day when I was a child, you know, he was young and going through his shit, whatever that was, and didn't know how to be an emotionally available father. So the impact was that there was me trying to understand what it meant to ha- to have male attention, what it meant to, um, you know, actually win his love back, whether it was from him or from other people, from from men, you know, trying to be whatever enough. And that trying to be whatever enough had to come from a story of not being enough. And that's what we often tell ourselves as women when one of our parents is unavailable or both of our parents are unavailable, that we are not enough. We've got to be in control. We got to fill up the holes in the spaces. And that's how we often end up on the weight roller coaster. It's like we bought a ticket to ride when we have a parent who is absent or unavailable. It's like the ticket to ride the weight roller coaster. Now that's not to say that it's true of everybody who's had that situation, because I know a, a lot of skinny people who've had that too. But you know, for some of us, the weight roller coaster is the coping mechanism. For others, it's alcohol or drugs. For others, it's um, anger. For others, it's hoarding. You know, Everybody finds different ways to cope with their feelings of not enoughness. So let's talk about the questions that we can ask ourselves to get off of this weight roller coaster. Now, the reason to ask ourselves questions is because when we ask ourselves questions, we open ourselves up to feeling and healing, right? When we're willing to do some level of exploration and whether you're in that self-help conversation or the personal growth conversation, that's your business. Ain't nobody trying to tell you who you need to be listening to or who needs to be your guru. But I do know that in this life, that anytime I have been inquisitive and have posed my challenges as a question, what do I do now? What do I do next? What is going on? What don't I understand? That somehow the universe has provided it, provided it through other people, provided it through YouTube videos, provided it through books that I've read, provided it through my own exploration, my own study, my own willingness to connect with things that resonate with my soul. So questioning, we always wanna be able to question ourselves, especially when we don't like our experience. If I don't like this experience of being up and down on the scale, I don't like this experience of not knowing how to regulate and, um, you know, find balance with my weight and how my body operates, homeostasis. If I don't like the feeling of not being able to achieve any level of homeostasis, I gotta be willing to ask myself some questions so that I can do some exploring. Like one question, why do I feel like I can't get enough? Why do I feel like I cannot get enough? And if you are out there and this resonates with you, feel that for a moment. Why do I feel like that? Why do I feel like every time I go into a store where there's something edible, I got to buy something to eat? Because you know almost all the stores got something edible. (laughs) Anywhere you go, there's something, there's some sort of treat. Why do I feel like that? Why do I feel like I always have to bring something home? Uh, That was my mother's thing. She couldn't go anywhere without buying something and bringing it home. And she's, she's, you know, historical for 
that feeling of not enoughness. That's how, that's how I have perceived her throughout my entire 49 years. And I love her dearly. I absolutely love her dearly. But she is a perfect example to me of somebody who feels like they are not enough. Can't go anywhere without buying something, specifically something to eat, but sometimes I'll substitute it with something else. And why do I feel that way? What am I telling myself that I think that I need these things in order to fill myself up? What's playing in the background? You weren't very good at that thing you just did, so get, you're, you're allowed to have this cinnamon roll. You, you know, you messed up, you said something wrong the other day. It's okay, just go and placate it with some, I keep going to cinnamon rolls and pizza, can you tell that that's my addiction? <laughs> Yours might be something else. Those are just, you know, those are the junkiest, you know, foods that I personally am addicted to. Ice cream, ice cream cinnamon rolls and pizza. If I'm telling myself a story of not enoughness, those are the things that I fill myself up with. There are other, like I like fine foods too. Like I like going to fancy restaurants and you know, eating, eating rich, decadent type things. But for the most part, if I'm in an, an addict cycle, it's ice cream, cinnamon rolls, and pizza. Things that are bready and sugary. So if I'm turning to those things, whatever your things might be, you might be somebody who likes, you know, bags of junk food like Doritos and, you know, flaming hot whatevers and all that stuff. Like whatever your drug of choice might be, right? So if I'm willing to ask myself, what is the hole I'm trying to fill? Why can't I get enough? Why can't I just be enough? Why can't, you know, when I am trying to eat healthy, why can't that small plate of food with, you know, a little bit of carbs and protein, vegetable carbs and protein, why can that not satisfy me? Why do I need, need, need to have something else? And that might lead you down a road of, okay, so I need, feel like I need to have something else because deep down I, I feel like, you know, I'm always making mistakes. Deep down, I'm afraid that whatever I'm doing, I'm not doing it right. Deep down, I'm, I'm worried about my relationship or my lack thereof. And what's going to happen to me if I'm not in a relationship or if I'm in a relationship, you know, where this relationship is going and, and is my whole life being swallowed up by this person's existence? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we tell ourselves that we're not enough and that we need to fill the hole. But we got to ask. You got to ask. You got to ask, honey, and see what your insides tell you. This is how we get to listen to our intuition. We got to ask. Another question to ask, especially if you're holding a lot of weight and you feel like it's a struggle to get it back off. So maybe you might've lost weight a few times. I have a client I was talking to the other day and she's like, this time around, it's like, it's a killer. I can't get this weight off my body. I just, I don't know what to do. I can't do it. So what am I holding on to? Not just the weight. The weight is metaphorical. The weight is symbolic. What in my life am I grasping onto? Maybe it's a, a belief that I have, um, you know, something I'm telling myself that I won't let go of, some judgment, some criticism of someone else or myself, something that I just know has to be true. What am I holding onto that I am hoarding, hoarding food, trying to fill myself up and, and holding onto all this weight and showing up as extra weight on my body? What am I just grasping onto for dear life? Maybe it's a, a change or a transition that I'm avoiding, that I'm doing my best to make sure that I, I'll tell you years ago, 
I got evicted from my apartment. Oh my God, did I love that apartment. I loved that apartment so much. And I was at the height of my weight roller coaster problems in the five years that I was fighting to keep that apartment. Fighting to keep it, doing whatever I could, begging, borrowing, not stealing, but doing whatever I could to keep that apartment. And it was stressing me the hell out. Actually, it was stressing me the fuck out. I was so stressed out that whole time in my life. Five years stressed out trying to hold on to something. Now, granted, I lived in New York City. It was rent stabilized. It was enormous. Those of you who live in New York know that an enormous, an enormous apartment is like a unicorn. And it had an outdoor space and a big outdoor space, like enough to have furniture on it and sit out on it. It was like a 12 to 15 foot by six foot outdoor space loved and it had a dishwasher loved that apartment so so very much too 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 much more than myself at some point and in holding on to it trying to hold on to it I could not keep weight off I got it off a couple times while I lived there but I could not keep it off because all that stress, all that holding, all of that having to placate my feelings of, of scarcity and lack and you know, what if I lost it and what if I couldn't afford it and knowing that I wasn't gonna be able to afford it that next month or whatever it is, all of that had me holding, holding, holding and having to placate with food, junk food, addictive behaviors, not taking good care of myself, just stressing. So think about that. Ask yourself, what am I holding on to that this weight just, I can't get this weight to stay off? What do I keep insisting that I can't get, get this weight to stay off? Who am I not forgiving, whether it's someone else or myself? Our resentments, you can hold on to resentment and it will show up like fat on your body. You can trust me on that because it is very stressful to continue to resent somebody. Whether you think so or not, it's very stressful to continue, especially someone you really love. It's very stressful to continue to be mad at somebody. Take it from me. I've spent a long time mad at people and didn't realize until I stopped being mad, released the anger, released the resentment, how stressed out I was carrying that resentment around. And it showed up as weight on my body. Another question to ask yourself is what am I trying to control? Which is very much like, what am I trying to hold on to? But sometimes what am I trying to control is, um, you know, who am I trying to make do what I want them to do? I'm not a parent, so I don't give parenting advice. I don't judge any parents, but I will say this to parents because I had a parent. If you are one of those parents who won't be happy until your kid does what you want your kid to do, uh, if you're one of those parents, what am I trying to control is a perfect question for you because your kid cannot live the life that you want them to live. They may, if you're fortunate, but until you find acceptance with the fact that your kid is going to need to have their own journey and make their own choices, even if they're choices that you absolutely cannot stand, until you can be with that and be in acceptance of that, stop resisting it, stop fighting it, stop thinking that you are gonna be able to force that kid to be the way you want that kid to be, you will be carrying some extra weight. Because the harder you fight that, I'm not giving parenting advice, I just know this to be true with anybody. The harder you try to fight someone else's resistance or force someone to be what you want them to be, the harder you try to control their behavior and control who they are, the harder you will have to fight and you will never win. Even if they pretend for a short period of time 
at some point there will be consequences. And whether they have to suffer the consequences or you have to suffer the consequences, there will be consequences. So ask yourself, what am I trying to control? If I wanna get this extra weight off my body. And I know, you know, women who just are like running triathlons, doing all kinds of physical shit, trying to eat the best they can, you know, doing all the, the, what you think are the best things and still walking around with an extra 50 to 100 pounds. And I'm not judging them for that. If, you fi- if you're fine with that and you feel healthy, great. But that's to me is an indicator that I am trying to, I'm hoarding in my body. I am hoarding in my body. And as much as I may be doing all the work, I got cortisol pumping through my veins. I think that's where cortisol pumps. And that's keeping all this belly fat on me because I'm stressed out trying to make something be the way I want it to be rather than just letting it go, changing my belief about whether it needs to be. And I know I make that sound so easy, right? It's not. I know. I get it. What am I telling myself whenever I start overeating again? So when I'm on that cycle and I'm starting to overeat again, that whole, you know, diatribe I did earlier. Is that the right word, diatribe? I don't know. Anyway, that whole thing I did earlier on my own cycle of how I, you know, give myself an excuse each day, whether it's my period or whatever, you know, I'm telling myself that it's okay based on all these justifications. And so why am I telling myself all these justifications? Because what's really underneath there, I don't really want to deal with. That I'm feeling lonely or I'm, I'm feeling my resentment or something's coming up for me that I don't want to deal with. So I would rather just numb it out with food or I'm just bored. And so I shoved a whole bag of potato chips in my mouth. And so if I actually have to deal with the emotion underneath, I might actually have to feel it or do something about it. Why am I bored? What's wrong with you, Candace? Why are you bored? There's so many things to do. Right? If, I, if I'm walking around bored, then you know something's wrong. Because it's like, get yourself together. There is so much to do. And I don't just mean like leisure time activities. Besides how many, you know, myriad of leisure time activities there are. There's people out there that need help. There's conversations to be had. There's people to talk to. You got the freaking inter- internet. Yeah, and the internet can get boring after a while too. I'm not saying you want to stay on it all the time. But it's definitely a great way to find ways to not be bored. You can search out anything, right? I digress. My point is this. Dealing with the actual thing that's going on, the emotion. What am I telling myself whenever I start overeating again? Just asking myself that question so that my gut can answer it. What am I telling myself when I start dieting again? So I was talking to that client the other day. And I said, well, let me guess, you're, you're planning to go back on your diet on Monday and your diet is super restrictive and it's about, you know, a quarter of the calories that you've been eating and you're going to have to give up all the junk and everything like that within a 24-hour period and then try to sustain that for however long you can sustain that without wanting to just get right back off the rails while, you know, white-knuckling it to your next cheat day. Right, because we want it to happen. Now I want to lose the weight. I want it to happen fast. So now I got to crash onto this diet, right? So if I'm telling myself all those things, why am I telling myself all those things? Well, because I want it to happen quickly. I need this weight off, instant gratification. And why do I need it so instantly? Well, because I have an event coming up, or I want to impress people. I want to, you know, put some hot pictures on Instagram, which I recently did, by the way. It was such a thirst trap. I'm ashamed of it a little bit, but then again, I'm not. 
Anyway, I digress again. What am I telling myself when I'm starting to diet again? So, and I could be telling myself something a lot more productive, like if I want this to be sustainable, why not change over gradually? I don't know about you guys, if you have dogs, I have a dog, and um, which I mention frequently, as you know, and I'm about to change his food. Now, the one thing I know about having dogs most of my life is that you don't just take away whatever they're eating and give them something else because it makes their stomach really, really sick. And they don't do well with that. And it might take a few days for them to even recover from something like that. You just don't do it. You slowly introduce the new food as you phase out the old food. And they're mammals just like us. So, you know, if I crash myself onto a diet thinking that this is going to be a sustainable thing because it's going to make me lose weight really, really fast, I can't be surprised when it blows up in my face and three days later I'm back to eating all kinds of things that, you know, I have no business eating because I, I still don't have the coping, uh, the coping skills that I need. It's still a coping mechanism. I still don't have the skills that I need and I haven't dealt with my emotions at all and I still don't have it together emotionally, intellectually. I'm just trying to do this thing that's gonna provide instant gratification, right? When meanwhile, I could do a slow evolution. Maybe just one meal a day could be a healthy meal for a while and let's see how we do with that. Let me allow myself to evolve into something new but I, I'm not willing to do that sustainably unless I'm willing to change my beliefs, what's underneath, unless I'm willing to heal those emotions, right? Then another question, what is my relationship with food? What am I using food for? Is food my outlet for control? Can I be flat and honest with myself about that? I always, you know, I often have clients, especially when I do weight loss hypnotherapy, they'll be like, oh no, you know, food is not my problem. Okay, but you, you know, you say you wanna lose weight and you're about 50 pounds overweight, but food is not the, you eat totally healthy. Now that's not to say, like I do believe that someone can eat pretty healthy and if they're still stressing out and they're still having a lot of uh, you know, mental, emotional issues, they could hold on to weight. But the likelihood that you are consistently eating healthy and your weight is still fluctuating up and down and up and down and up and down, you know, I mean, you got to be able to be honest with yourself. What is my relationship with food? Am I using food? Am I using food emotionally? Am I using food because it's the only thing that feels good to me right now? Am I using food because I'm so lonely right now? I don't know what the hell else to do. I've been there. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't have to make myself wrong about it, but I do got to be flat with myself that this is why my weight is going up and down. I'm not a bad person. I'm doing what I know to do. This is my survival. When I don't feel good and things aren't going my way and I can't be in control and it's all going to shit, I got to eat a pizza. That's what I do. That's my relationship with food, right? And if I'm willing to be honest and flat about it, I can heal it. That's how I've been navigating. That's not how I have to navigate because I can develop some other skills that make it so pizza doesn't have to be my go-to. And that way I don't have to keep going into this cycle of you know, uh, trauma, triggered, you know, back to upset, back to feeling whatever I'm feeling, back to needing to feed it. And then another question is what haven't I healed? What haven't I healed? And you'll know that as soon as you ask yourself that question, allow yourself 
the room and the space to answer it. And here's a little trick for everyone who wants to answer these questions. If you want to answer them, the best thing that you can do is get a journal and allow yourself 10 to 20 minutes of free writing time of no editing, just saying what is exactly on your mind. When I ask the question, what haven't I healed? 10 to 20 minutes writing in your journal. What comes up for you? And it, whatever comes up for you is going to be unique to you. you. Might have some commonalities with a lot of people. A lot of us have some of the same stuff. You know, whether it was abuse as a child, uh, traumas that we suffered, unexpected things in life, our conditioning, what our parents taught us about certain things that, that aren't workable for us, but were workable for them, or they thought it was workable for them, whatever. Give yourself a chance to find out what that is for you. 10 to 20 minutes, just writing in your journal, free writing. What haven't I healed? Answer that question and all of these questions. So here, this hour goes by so fast. It goes so fast, everybody. What is that about? I just wish, if time could be held by a bottle. I don't know the words to that song, but that's what it inspires. It's like, if we could just hold time sometimes. I just, you know, that's my story. So what are some things that we could also practice instead of, um, you know, some of the other stuff that we practice that doesn't work? (laughs) You know, like when we're telling ourselves that we're wrong and beating ourselves up and shaming ourselves and getting mad at ourselves for not sticking to the diet and, you know, listening to the shame of others because we didn't go to the gym as much as we said we were going to go and just not taking good care of ourselves because we're justifying it because the world is so cruel and the world is very cruel. But what are some things that we can practice instead in place of those things? Now, I don't say this lightly, like it's just so easy. It's so easy for you, Candace, to just switch it over. No, it took me years and years and years and it's still I'm on the journey of replacing the things that don't work with the things that do work. That is the journey of life, right? We become more and more masterful as we grow, as we get older, as we put it more and more in practice. I always say transformation is a, um, you know, I always say yoga is a perfect metaphor for transformation because you start out inflexible and you become flexible. That's why I hate it when people say, oh, I don't do yoga because I'm not flexible. That makes no fucking sense. It's like saying, you know, I don't sail boats because I don't know how to sail. And it's like, you learn, you have to learn, you do it so that you can learn. (laughs) No one just comes out of the womb knowing how to play the trumpet. I don't play the trumpet because I don't know how. Well, you have to play to learn how. (laughs) You have to get someone to help you, teach you how you do it, and practice, right? And it's the same thing with this transformation stuff. It's the same thing with developing coping skills. Most of us didn't have parents and people who really knew how to teach coping skills. If people were walking around just knowing coping skills out of the womb, this would be a much different world. Not that it's a bad world, I actually love this world. But all these struggles that we deal with, if everybody popped out already with their coping skills in place and knowing how to do it, parents would be amazing. Children would be amazing, you'd never have a problem, right? So learning coping skills is a practice. 
And it's a willingness to practice that you practice over and over again until one day you look up and wow, I've almost mastered this thing. I don't even get mad like I used to. I don't get sad like I used to. I don't go into the depths of depression like I used to because I've learned some skills, honey. I've learned some things that have me having a better experience than I ever did before. So what are some things to practice instead? Acceptance. Acceptance of where I am at. So if I've gained all the weight back and I'm 150 to 200 pounds overweight, I got to accept it. I got to accept it with love and compassion because I still deserve love and compassion. It's the belief that I don't deserve love and compassion and that I'm not enough and that I'm a problem and that I'm wrong and something's wrong with me that has me behaving in ways that align with that. So then I got to cover over the shame. I got to feed the addiction. Right? But when I'm in loving acceptance of where I'm, wherever I am, I can begin to lovingly change it to where I really want to be. And it doesn't mean because I give myself love and give myself grace that I'm okay with wherever I am. Because we all want to grow. We all want to level up. We all want to make changes in life, whether it's weight-related or anything else. But being a perfectionistic, being wrong-making, being self-flagellating will get you absolutely 100% none of what you want, at least not for any sustainable period of time. So I accept it. I accept that I have put on some pounds. I accept that my body is not ideally where I would like for it to be. And so I'm going to love it back to where I want it to be. I'm going to allow some sweetness in my life that's not necessarily related to food. Maybe I have some talents or some creativity to express. Maybe I have some people in my life that when I'm with them, I laugh the entire time because they make me laugh. They're funny and they're loving and I have a great time. And if I don't have those kinds of people in my life, maybe there's some other way for me to have the feeling of sweetness. And by sweetness, I mean peace, joy, happiness. Feel good. Feel good with no consequences. Where can I find feel good with no consequences? That's a great question to ask and answer in your journal. Where can I find some feel good without consequences? Right? So adding sweetness to my life that's not related to food, making that a practice. Having my exercise have a higher purpose. So creating an exercise goal that actually has an emotional investment. So if I'm somebody who doesn't regularly work out and I don't, I'm, you know, there's people out there that work out because they love working out. I love working out. I just so happen to love activity in my body. But if I'm somebody who doesn't love working out, I don't really want to do it. I'm not that interested in it. Then I have to have some sort of emotional investment for why I would do it. Because exercise is good for all of us, unless you have some sort of disorder that causes, you know, damage to your body, which is probably a very small percentage of the population. Exercise is, is good for you on some level, right? But if I have a higher purpose for it, so with my emotional fat shrinking ladies, you know, they'll develop a purpose like, well, I want to be able to roller skate with my kids, or I want to be able to, you know, do this uh, bikini competition. Or I want, to, I want to achieve something. I want to achieve something that's bigger than me. I want to have an emotional investment that will give me some other sort of achievement besides losing pounds. Because you've lost weight before and you know what that was like. And you probably at some point realized, okay, so now what? I feel great. I look great. All right, so let me eat that cake. So obviously just losing the weight doesn't have uh, you know, enough value 
for you to sustain any, you know, exercise for as long as you would need to sustain exercise, which hopefully is for the rest of your life. You just continue to sustain it and evolve it and have it fit into what you do. I mean, there was a while that I was trying to be a runner. My body did not love that. So I switched and I was interval training. And then now I'm, I'm a walker and a yoga doer, right? I'm a woman of a certain age. And it doesn't mean that I can't do hardcore exercise if I want to. I just don't, I don't need to anymore. <laughs> The reason I love exercise is because I do exercise that that fits who I am, where I'm at, and that's comfortable for me and that I like doing, right? I love walking, hiking. I like exploring. And the skin in the game for me right now is making sure to exercise and train my dog. I feel a huge sense of accomplishment in doing that because he was a rescue. And if he hadn't been trained, he probably would have ended up put down somewhere. So I have an emotional investment in this dog who I love so much now that I've had him for a little over a year. I have an emotional investment that he be trained, that I get out into nature and you know explore my new neighborhood. And so those are good reasons to get out and walk. It's not about, I gotta stay this weight. It's just so happened that it's a wonderful side effect of finding this exercise that I love, doing it, bringing my dog along. It's a wonderful side effect that it keeps my weight down. So exercise with a higher purpose. Something that might mean something to your kids. Something you might want to achieve physically so just so you can be able to say you did it. It's going to give you a medal that you can hang on the wall so you can feel good about that. Give yourself a higher purpose. Maybe, you know, something charitable. There's always some sort of charity race. You can race for the cure. And you got to train for that. The training is about, you know, the, the getting re- your body physically ready, yes. But when you make it about raising a certain amount of money for somebody else somebody else's well-being, it's a higher purpose than just you. It's bigger than you are. It's a reason to get up out of bed, even on the days that you don't want to, even in the rain. Also, I mentioned it somewhat, exercise that aligns with what you enjoy. So I had a client the other day. She's like, oh, I hate exercise. I was like, you hate doing any, there's nothing physical that you love doing. Well, I don't mind dancing. Okay, perfect. So why are you in the gym? Why are you forcing yourself to be in the gym, acting like you even remotely want to be there, when what you could be doing is taking dance classes. You could be dancing on a regular basis somewhere that makes sense and enjoying yourself and loving it and loving your body's change as you do it. Exercise, do something that you actually enjoy doing. Now, by enjoy, I don't mean that it's so easy you don't break a sweat. (laughs) You still want it to be exercise, but... Pick something, you know, like I said, I like to walk and hike because I like to explore nature. I like to be out in nature. I like to, you know, learn about what's around in the neighborhood. And I just moved, so it makes it even more fun. I love walking around. And even when I, you know, that's part of why I loved living in New York for 25 years, because you can walk everywhere, right? So find something that aligns with what you enjoy. Set yourself up to win, is a great practice to begin setting yourself up to win. So I talked about having your food choices be an evolution where you start small, don't go on a crash diet, just start eating a little bit more healthy food than, than unhealthy food and just you know give yourself time to sort of evolve that, How, you know, whatever program you're choosing to go on. Set yourself up to win. Exercise that you enjoy sets you up to win. 
knowing that it, it's long-term sustainability. It's not weighing yourself every damn day. Don't weigh yourself every damn day. You're gonna be a pound up, two pounds down, two pounds up, one pound down every single damn day, and you're gonna drive yourself crazy. That's not setting yourself up to win, that's defeatist. At most, weigh yourself once a week if, if the weight thing is very important to you. Set yourself up to win emotionally. There's a lot of other ways to do that too, but we just don't have that kind of time. So yeah, slow and evolutionary. Stop trying to make it all happen instantly. Recognize and release the need to be instantly gratified. And the most important thing of all of them is to begin to practice enoughness, knowing that you are enough. You are enough for all of it. Like my epic women, enough, peaceful, illuminated, and courageous. You are enough, 100% enough. You have everything that you need to be everything that you want. You are lacking in nothing, nothing. I was just listening to this guy just today. It's the first time I ever heard him. I think his name is R.C. Blakes and he does YouTube videos and he said something so prolific about being a, a sleeping queen. So many of us queens are out here asleep not knowing that we're queens and when you are asleep as a queen, you cannot rule. And by rule, he meant, you know, just understand your worthiness and move through the world as though you are enough. Because you are my sister, myself. And I love you so much. We are almost at the end of this hour. I can't believe it, but I'm glad. I'm so glad we had this time together. And I love that you indulge me and let me sing songs. I know I'm not the greatest. I used to sing back in the day. I used to sing at the piano bar and I wrote a one woman show at some point, but I know I'm not the greatest singer. I just love it. I just do it. And y'all, you just have to be with it. You just have to love me for who I am, unconditional love. I love you, whether you can sing or not. I love you, whether or not you are still on your weight roller coaster. But after this, after you listen to this podcast, you better not be. Or what you can do is just uh, hit me up. And maybe we need to work together so that we can get you off that weight roller coaster and get you into that body love, honey, that acceptance. Heal that old story, heal the past, love yourself unconditionally, start your love life, your whole life over from a clean slate. All right, as y'all know, my book, I'm Not Mad, But She's Still Crazy, is coming out soon, it's coming out soon. Today's my deadline for having the um, final draft before full editing complete, and that is my plan. My accountability partner says that she is going to come and um, get it from me if I don't actually send it to her, which will take something because she lives in Queens and I'm in Virginia. Also, check out selectdatesociety.com. I will be matchmaking over there with those beautiful women, with that team of women. Also, um, Kirby Brown Yogi, my little store. I got some mugs. Go get you an epic woman mug to remind yourself how fantastic you are. Enough, peaceful, illuminated, and courageous. Epic woman. I am an epic woman. I want you to say that every damn day. You are enough. I am enough, peaceful, illuminated, and courageous. Write it on your mirror in red lipstick. My Instagram is at Ask for Candy Podcast, at Candy Love Coach. I know I keep saying this, but I promise I'm going to start updating those accounts very soon. I haven't posted anything in a while, but I'm working on it. And that's it. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine, honey. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. I love you so much. Mwah, 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 mwah. Bye now. I love you.